0: closer to the end of this letter that Paul writes to the church in Philippi. And here in about a month, we'll be done with this letter. And what we're going to do at the end of our series, we haven't done this in a long, long time, is we're going to read through the entire letter in one sitting. And we're gonna have different people read it and we're gonna have different people share what this scripture means to them. And it's just gonna be this incredible time of worship here towards the end of April as, uh, as we do that. But uh, what we've been talking about is true confidence and what gives us true confidence. And what we've discovered is that the things that we tend to put our confidence in, that things that give us self-confidence in this world are temporary at best. And the reason why they're temporary is because they depend on self and self can't really help self. And 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 the things that give us self-confidence in this world, they depend on our performance. But the only true confidence that we find in this life is the confidence that we can have in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's because it's not based on our performance, but it's based on Jesus's performance for us and that's what we're gonna see this morning. Now, I want you to think about a time that you filled out a, um, uh, a resume, that you created a resume to send out or maybe you um, filled out an application to get into a college or, a, uh, or for a scholarship or maybe you created a online dating profile and, and, and that whole process can be pretty stressful no, no matter really what it is, okay? And, uh, but a, uh, but a good, um, you know, a resume or a good profile or a good application, it lists our accomplishments and our skills and our qualifications and all the great and wonderful things about ourselves that make us more attractive or more appealing or more hireable, uh, to, uh, to than other candidates or, or other suitors. And, and the purpose of a resume is to move us from the outside to the inside. So a great resume can open doors for us in our careers. A, a great application can get us into that college of our choice or land us that, uh, that, that scholarship that, that we applied for. Or, uh, you know, a great online dating profile will get us that swipe right that we're looking for. Um, but what about when it comes to our relationship with Jesus? What what about when it comes to our right standing with God? What are we gonna present? What are we gonna stand on in that moment when we stand before holy, righteous God? Well, this morning, Paul shows us two things, just two things this morning. Let me give them to you up front, and then we'll spend some time unpacking them. Um, But the things that we see this morning is that we see our need for righteousness, And then we see the gift of righteousness. So we see the need for righteousness and we see the gift for righteousness. And if you have your Bibles, I wanna invite you to turn to Philippians chapter two. If you didn't bring your Bible, you can uh, pull it up on your phone or we'll put it up on the screen for you. But Philippians chapter, or actually chapter three this morning, we're making some progress actually. Uh, Philippians chapter three this morning and uh, we're gonna spend the next, two or three weeks in Philippians chapter three. And I just wanna encourage you to, to read Philippians chapter three just two or three times this week and circle the different names or characteristics of God, underline or highlight some verses that really stand out to you. So Philippians chapter three this morning is where we're at. And this is what Paul says. <clears throat> we'll start, kind of starting in verse one where we were last week. Paul says, further, in other words, it, taking everything that I've already written, Taking everything that I've already said, he says further, con, con, you know, connect that to what I'm saying here, my brothers and sisters. So terms of endearment there. Rejoice in the Lord. Now, this is kind of a theme of Philippians is this this joy or rejoicing in the Lord. In fact, he says it 18 times in this very, very short book. And what he's saying to, to his readers or to the church in Philippi and what he's saying to us is, hey, our joy is not dependent upon our circumstances. Our joy is not dependent upon our situation. And remember, this is a time where, uh, where Christians are being Persecuted, And they're being, in Rome, they're being burned alive at the stake and they're being used as human torches to light the streets. And he, what he's saying is, hey, our joy is not dependent upon our circumstances one bit, but that our joy is founded in who we are in Jesus Christ. It's not based on circumstances, it's based on position. And so remember that is what he's saying. He's saying, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again and again that I wanna remind you of this and as a safeguard for you. He says, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. And remember, he's talking about these, uh, these Jewish Christians Okay, they grew up Jews and they put their faith in Jesus and they're going around telling the Gentile converts and the Gentiles, they were the people who weren't born Jewish. So I think most of us would fall into the category of Gentile, okay? And they're telling these, 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 these Judaizers, as they're known, they're telling these um, uh, Gentile converts, hey, you've got to follow all the Old Testament rules, you got to follow all the old testament rituals which includes by the way circumcision so they weren't they weren't arguing uh, against the gospel okay they were just adding to it and, and so paul says watch out for them he says for it is we who are the circumcision in other words we are the ones that are in Christ because of our faith in Christ we are the circumcision we who have served God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. And if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. And so what Paul is about to address, he's about to address those things that we tend to use to make ourselves feel good, feel better about ourselves, or those things that we uh, put our confidence in that make us feel good about our standing with God that are our performance or our works. And Paul says, Hey, whatever you have, I can one up you. Okay. And he's about to give us his credentials and his resume. So here we go. He says in, uh, in verse four or verse five, he says, uh, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee as for zeal persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless so so what did Paul just say what What is this resume that he 's presenting of his own credentials that he could that make him feel good about himself? well, first of all, he says that he was circumcised on the eighth day now now circumcision was the Uh, was the apex of a symbol that you belong to God's chosen people. And it was instructed for, for, the, for the Jewish faith that all little boys on their eighth day, that they would be circumcised. And what Paul is saying is that he's not a convert to Judaism. He's, it's not something that he picked up you know, in his, in, his, in his late 20s, but that he was born a Jew. He's been a Jew his whole life. That's what he's saying with that. Second, he says a tribe of Benjamin. Now, King David was held in high esteem in Jewish culture, okay? Remember King David, you know, before he was king, he, uh, he took a slingshot and he killed Goliath. And so what he's talking about there is that there were two tribes uh, that were directly tied to King David. And so, Dave, uh, and so Paul says, hey, I'm connected to one of those tribes. In other words, what Paul is talking about, he's talking about racial purity, that he, he is a Jew's Jew. He is as pure as a Jew as anybody else. Uh, when he says that he's a uh, part of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Now, now most Hebrews, most Jewish people in this day and culture, they spoke Greek as their first language. But Paul says, hey, my first language is not Greek, but my first language is Hebrew. It's the original language of the Jewish faith. He says he's a Pharisee. In other words, he's very high educated. He has a doctorate in law. He basically has a law degree and uh, that he knows, he knows uh, by memory the first five books of the Old Testament known as the Torah. He knows it by memory. He has memorized the law of the, uh, of the Old Testament of the Jewish law. A persecutor of the church is what he says. That before he was Paul, he was Saul. He was a persecutor of the church and we, we saw in our act series a couple of years ago that Saul would go from town to town and if he found any Jewish people belonging to the way, belonging to the Christian church, he would have them arrested, he would have them beaten, and sometimes he would have them executed, as we see in Acts chapter 7 with Stephen. So he was very zealous. He was very uh, um, excited about putting extinguishing the Christian church before it could get out of its infancy. And then he says, faultless in righteousness. In other words, he kept all the pharisaical rules, to, to a T. And so Paul, he is giving us his resume. Now listen, making a list of our merits, of our accomplishments, making a resume to get us into some place where we are on the outside, but we wanna be on the inside is something that we do at every level in our society. And we do it, we do it with friends, that we want friends to think that we're important. We wanna be accepted by our friends. We do it in relationships, we do it in jobs, we do it at, in, at school, we even do it with God. That everything in our society is structured on a system of making ourselves more attractive and more appealing and more qualified so that we can move from the outside to the inside. I mean, I, I mean, just, just, just think about it for a moment, okay? Um, you're on a first date, okay? Go back to being on a first date with somebody and, uh, you know, you've got all the feels and you've got all the butterflies and you're gazing at each other's eyes across the table. You know, there's candlelight, there's wine and you're just having a great time. Nobody says on the first date, it says, you know, uh, babe, uh, I'm planning on putting on 75 pounds on the next 10 years, (laughs) Nobody says that, okay? Nobody says on a first date, hey, I'm gonna tank my credit score as low as I possibly can. (laughs) I mean, you're enjoying it. You've had a great dinner. You're sharing a a dessert, you know, and and you're you're thinking, okay, you know, uh, he may be the one, and the next thing out of his mouth is, hey, I'm gonna change jobs as often as I can. Nobody says that. I mean, think about an interview. If you've ever been on an interview or you ever conducted an interview, the interview's going great and finally the person doing the interview says, you know, what, think, what, what do you think makes you a great candidate for this position? What makes you think that you're gonna be a good team member for our organization? And, and nobody says in an interview, says, you know what, I'm gonna excel at doing the minimum. Nobody says that. Why? Because we present ourselves in a way to make us more attractive, more appealing to get from the outside to the inside. And unfortunately, sometimes we do the same thing with God. And here Paul is talking about the things that made himself feel confident about himself. And we have our things too, okay? Maybe it's our appearance or our youthfulness or our strength. Maybe it's our, our kids and their accomplishments on, you know, on the, on the ball field or, you know, on on the soccer pitch or on the, you know, the basketball court or maybe it's our kids and the way they uh, excel in academics or, or, or band or music or art or, you know, maybe it's our relationship status. Maybe it's an income. Maybe it's a position. Maybe it's our religious activity. Whatever it is, we all have things, and those aren't necessarily bad things, but we all have things that make us feel more confident about ourselves, and there's nothing wrong with those things until they become the thing That we put our acceptance in, our approval, our significance, our security, our hope, and our love. Until those things become the things that we boast in, that we glory in, that we stand on saying that this is what makes me, me. Now the reason why we tend to do this is because, and we know this, but we have this deep need for righteousness. Now, now listen, righteousness is not being good. It's not good behavior. Righteousness in the Bible means a right standing with God. That we have a right standing with God. That we know we know we need a, a right standing with God. And so we create this resume, so to speak with our own good works and our own religious accomplishments to make ourselves more presentable to God. And for us, it's just a way to stay in control. I mean, we're all control freaks, okay? Some to to more degrees than others, okay? But we all want to stay in control. We all want to contribute. We all... And we talked about this. We all wanna feel like we're doing our part, right? That's why we're not gonna let somebody pick up the bill and the tip, okay? Or if we're gonna go out to eat and they buy this time, we're gonna buy next time. And so we all wanna feel like we're pulling our own weight, that we're doing what we need to do. We're contributing and we bring that philosophy to God. We wanna be our own savior or at least we wanna contribute to our saving. So yes, I know that I'm not perfect. You know, thank you for that newsflash. I know I'm not perfect, but I'm a lot better than he is. So God, you didn't need to work that hard to save me because I'm a pretty good person. It's about staying in control. Now, now we stay in control in two ways, okay? There's the irreligious way, which is, you know, I, I'm not even sure if there is a God or yeah, I know there's a God, but I don't really care and I'm just gonna go live my life the way I wanna live my life. And I'm gonna determine what's right. I'm gonna determine what's wrong. Nobody has the right to tell me what to do. Nobody has the right to tell me what's right or what's wrong. Only I can decide that for my life. And I'm just gonna go do whatever I want to do. That's the way we stay in control, that way. But there's also the religious way. And the religious way is, okay, I'm gonna to try to follow as many rules as I possibly can. And I'm gonna to try to be a good person. I'm certainly gonna to try to be better than some people In my life. And when that's our attitude, what happens is we come to God and we say, okay, God, you know, I'm doing my part. Why aren't you doing your part? So God, why is my life not working out the way I want it to work out? Why did I not get into that college that I wanted to get? Why did I not get the job that I wanted to get? Why didn't I not get that promotion? Why didn't I make the team? We all, we, we go to God and we say, why isn't my life working out? Because basically we all want to relate to God the way we relate to the government. Okay, I paid my taxes. So now I want to know why my roads aren't fixed. In other words, I've done my part when are you gonna do your part? And when we take that approach to God, we, we, say, we factor in our behavior and our performance and we say, God, listen, I've done my part. I need you to do your part and you're not doing your part so I'm just gonna take matters into my own hands. And so it's all about control. But we need to repent of that. We need to repent of our righteousness and, and, and say, my only resume is the one that God gives me through faith in Jesus Christ. That God, he owes me absolutely nothing. That I've tried to live a good life and on my best day, I've never come even close to God's perfect standard. But thank you, God, that you sent Jesus to live the life that I should live and die the death that I deserve. Because that's where we find the gift of righteousness. That Jesus is the gift of righteousness for us. Look at what Paul says in verse seven. He says, but whatever were gains to me. Now think about that. Think about what gains you and I have. Things that we accumulate, we accomplish. The things that make us feel good about ourselves. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own, so not not building up my religious resume, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law of how many laws can I obey? I mean, think about it. If we, you know, Kyle and I, you know, the, we have this discussion all the time of, that, you know, if, if it were just left to us and, and, you know, God said, hey, I want you to write down five truths, five laws that you're going to live by today. We couldn't even keep the five laws that we make for ourselves. And so, so Paul is saying that, you know, when we try to gain that righteousness of that comes from the law, but that, but which is through faith. The righteousness that we have is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on a basis of faith, So we'll talk more about this next week. But just real briefly. Paul has just gone through his list of very impressive credentials. And dismisses all of them. And when he says they're garbage. Maybe your translation says rubbish. Um, but a proper translation of that word would be excrement. And really a really good translation of that. Would be. Crap and that's really what he says, so basically Paul says all that stuff that makes me look good, all that stuff that where I feel significant and important and impressive, all that stuff that that I tend to put uh, that, uh, that I put as you know on my resume as I approach God, he says it's all. Worthless. It's all crap. Now what would make Paul say this? And he, and he says this remarkable phrase. He says the surpassing greatness. That is the surpassing greatness of something that makes everything that he tried to accumulate crap. And it's the word picture. It's like... When the sun starts coming up in the morning and the sun starts coming up in the morning and the stars begin to fade because the sunlight is, is uh, overpowering the, 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 the light of the stars because the stars are too far away. It's like that right there. It's the surpassing greatness of the sun that outshines the stars. So our accomplishments, our money, our influence All all good things. Those things don't shine as brightly anymore because something has come out that is so brilliant and so fantastic and so bright that we can't see those things anymore as ultimate. And Paul says, these things that used to be important to me, the surpassing greatness of Jesus has outshone them. Now, as the band comes and just readies us for this next, next song, let me just end with this. That the beauty of the gospel is that God sees you and he sees me as being in Christ, okay? That when God looks at you and when God looks at me, he, he doesn't see all of our failures. And some of us are like, whew, thank God. Touch the bullet with that one. But so he doesn't see our failures. He doesn't see our mistakes. He doesn't see our accomplishments. He doesn't see our successes. He sees Christ and all that Jesus has accomplished for us through his life and his death and his res- resurrection. All those things that make us feel good about ourselves, that make us feel important or significant or accepted or loved or secure our appearance, our strength our income, our kids, our kids accomplishments, our jobs, our religious activity, our relationship status all good things but when we see Jesus as the surpassing greatness, they just become things they're just things they don't define us it's not where my identity is they're just things, they're good things, they're wonderful things, but they're just things. And when our pursuit of Jesus and our, our knowing Jesus is, is our ultimate quest, what that means is when something happens to one of those things, maybe, maybe it's our strength or our health, maybe it's our appearance, our job, or income, when something happens to one of those things or something happens to all of those things, it won't devastate us. Now we'll still hurt and we'll still cry and we'll weep and we'll grieve deeply when one of those things is taken out of our lives. But it won't bury us because our righteousness our identity our approval, our significance our value, our worth our strength, our security our hope, our love is not found in our resume or our performance or our self confidence but it's found in the right standing we have through faith in Jesus Christ in nothing Nothing, not one person, not the devil, not even death itself can take that away. Let's pray together. Father, thank you.